Let's stand to our feet. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, 1 through 5. When you get there, say amen. 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 I'll start. You finish. Let's get it. Now concerning the matters about which you wrote, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. Keep going. Amen. 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 Somebody shouting already. (laughs) Amen. I ain't mad at you. I ain't going to look at you, but I ain't mad at you. Um, (laughs) I got to recover from that. Hallelujah. Help me today, God. Um, (laughs) Amen, everybody. Um, Today's message uh, in our series on It's Time to Grow Up through 1 Corinthians, line by line, precept upon precept, will be sexual maturity in the Christian marriage. covenant versus contract. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We honor you. Bless your name. Lift you up for the gift of sex. And uh, Lord, I pray that our singles will listen in the midst of this because training always happens before implementation. And so God, I just pray that we would get into a place of not just intervention with sexuality, but prevention. And so, God, I just pray in the name of Jesus that you would give us freedom to be able to just be free to hear this and that the church would take ownership in talking about what you've created in a way that doesn't make sexuality taboo because everybody else is talking about it. And so we might as well add to the conversation uh, the voice of God from the word of God. And so, God, today I pray that you would open hearts and minds. I pray that you would get even in the awkwardness of couples that are going through right now in this area. I pray that you would work through the awkwardness of those who are single, who have fallen in this area, and help the sufficiency of your grace to come upon them, not law, but the sufficiency of your grace, your word, and the conviction of the Spirit. Let the words of my mouth be tasteful. Uh, Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O God, our strength and our Redeemer, in whom we trust. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Um, We've we've been going through 1 Corinthians, uh, line upon line and precept upon precept, walking through the mind of God as it relates to sexuality in this section of the book. But for the most part, we've been walking through what it means to grow up. We've been talking about it's time to grow up. Somebody say that. It's time to grow up. Yeah, and so God, again, through Paul, the apostle, uh, the gospel globetrotter, is talking to him about the movement of God in uh, every area of life of the Corinthian church to help them to grow up and to help them to grow up in every aspect. We saw uh, in one section of the book that they should grow up in their relationships with other believers. Um, We also saw that they should grow up in their 
understanding of true wisdom that comes from God versus man's. We saw uh, them growing up in the area of them valuing the gospel uh, above everything else in their life. We also talked about them valuing spiritual growth. We talked also about them valuing spiritual authority. We also talked about them valuing the role of the local church. We talked about them valuing sexuality in general. And now we're talking about them maturing and valuing sexuality in the marital covenant. In our society and in our context, it seems to be that being married is the most frustrating thing on the planet to be able to do because it seems like culturally uh, people are getting locked in to something that can never grow. And so Satan has fed the world and God's people the lie that marriage is a boring place. Uh, uh, there's, there's been a lie fed to people that marriage is the last thing you do after you've sown your royal oats and got all your real enjoyment out, not recognizing that everything God has created is created with pleasure and passion for those who believe and know the truth. Y'all ain't going to help me, but I'm going to preach it anyway. That, that, that God is going to help us as the believers in Christ to begin to have our minds renewed. Our minds renewed in every single area of our lives. And one of the high areas in a culture uh, where you can put the wrong hashtag on your Instagram in and you can end up on a page that will have you bound. Y'all ain't going to talk back to me. I'm uh, 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 some of us, some of us in, in the challenge of the age that we're in, we, we, we stalk people on Facebook. We won't friend them, but we stalk them on Facebook because we want to be in an emotional relationship with the pictures they put in front of us versus functionally being in a relationship that God has ordained for us to be in. Y'all ain't going to help me. I'm going to preach it like I see it. And so what, what we have to do and what we have to develop is a God-centered, Christ-centered, biblical-centered view of everything, even sex. Some of us are so messed up. We think that sex, sex is the devil's creation versus God's creation. And so Paul brings us to a good passage to help us with this idea of sexuality in the marital covenant to really, really help us through this. And singles, I don't want you to check out on me. I want you to get trained. You Don't get trained by having sex. You, 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 sex outside of the marriage was never meant to train you for marriage. It, it, it actually destroys the oneness. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But it actually peels apart the oneness God created you to have with one person for, to have good sex with them that grows for the rest of your life. That's all right. I'm, a, I'm by myself. I, the first service, I ain't getting no amens. I ain't going to get many here. But, but it's okay. The fr- it's, o- it's okay. It's okay. And so as, as we dive into this, I got one point, one point only, and I'll be out of your way in these five verses. Um, this is for both singles and marrieds, though. Men and women must view sex from a sacrificial standpoint. Men and women must view sex from a sacrificial. Somebody say sacrificial. I want you to write that somewhere in your Bible, sacrificial sex. That, that sacrificial sex. Let's move through the text. Verse 1. Now concerning the matters 
which you wrote. That means they wrote him some stuff. Paul wrote him some response. They wrote some responses to Paul because they had a lot of theological questions about sexuality. He didn't say that about anything else, but, but, but he said that about sex. They had some questions about sex. Any, anytime you actually help the people of God to be real and open up the can of worms of sex, you're going to get you some questions. And so Paul is writing this section of the book in response to really their question about sexuality because even in the first century, there was sexual confusion. And in the midst of those sexual confusion, what I like about the fact that he says you wrote me, that they felt open enough to talk about the reality of the brokenness of the sexuality that they were dealing with. And so you can know that it's brokenness. How do I know that? Because you can see inferentially what they wrote about how he answers it. Are you trekking with me? And so he said, concerning the things that you wrote me, it is good for a man not to have sexual, uh, have sex or with a woman. Now, the New American Standard, I like the translation of the New American Standard on, on this word sexuality here or having sex here. Because not the word porneia here in the Greek that where we get our word pornography from. The word in the New American Standard, they translate it touch. He said, he said it's good that a man not even touch a woman. In, in, other, in other words, some folks' sex drive is so crazy that they can't even give a holy hug in the church. <laughs> and that's in the book. Um, so some of us are so sexually charged, we just don't need, we need to give each other a pound from the right. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Don't even look at them. Just go clack cow and let your rings touch. You know what I'm saying? Not even no, no skin contact because some of us are so sexually charged that the wind blow. Y'all going to look at me funny, but it's tight, but it's right. It's in the text. That, that, that he, said, he said it's good for a man. The, the word touch literally means to burn with insatiable desire. It, 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 it points to the proverb passage that's familiar to some if you've been in the church for a little while. Uh, it, it, uh, do, who can take fire into their bosom and not get burnt? In, 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 other, in other words, don't, do, don't, don't push the envelope on how much you think you can take. Some of us, no, most of us, not some of us, can't take nothing. Can't take jack. So, so we might as well stop acting like we can take a whole bunch. Me and my wife made a pack in the first time, first we got together, we weren't going to kiss, and we messed up kiss. It opened up every portal on my body. So, so we had to have accountability in our, in our courting. I needed help. I said, man, that kiss felt good. Woo, I can't go to stage three, but I gotta, we, got, we got to pray. We got, we know, because we can't even touch. We couldn't even hold pinkies going in, you know what I'm saying? It, but, 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 but exegetically, this is a slogan. Remember last time we talked about these? They, they had cultural slogans. And really what Paul views, some of your Bibles will have quotes around, it's good for a man not to touch or have sexual relations with a woman. Those quotes point to the fact that Paul is quoting what they're saying. Now, rarely does Paul agree with their cultural slogans. Actually, this slogan, he actually agrees with. In other words, the idea is he's talking about celibacy of single folks right here. He's talking about celibacy. But then he's going to put a limitation on it. That means single folk, celibacy is, a great, is the only option for you. Not a great option, but it's the option. And, and, and God has, and I'm going to talk about it next time, but I don't want to give it all away. God, celibacy means uh, 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 to abstain from everything that lights your fire. 
That's what, celibacy don't just mean penetration. Pen, that, that, that's, see, that's the easy one. We say, oh, I, we didn't do nothing. But you went home and struggled in your bed. I'm going to keep moving. So second, second verse. So, so, but what he does say is he says, but the married people can't be celibate. <laughs> okay, he said, he said, not biblical to be celibate in your marriage. He said, you shouldn't have got married if you're going to be celibate. So he gives limitations on the maximum or the axiom or the idiomatic expression. He gives limitations. He said, that's good for single people. He said, ride or die with that one, single folk. All right? Ride or die with that. He said, but married folk, you've lost your mind if you think y'all not going to be having some sex. All right, verse 2. Verse 2. Oh, God, help me today. All right. He says, but, now this is crazy. He says, but because, he says, but because of uh, the temptation of sexual immorality, each one should have his own wife. Underline, circle, asterisk, highlight, own. Help me today, God. Underline each, underline own, all right? Each own, right? And then, it, then and, and, and each woman her own husband. The idea of this idea of own points to uh, fulfilling your sexual passions within the context of marriage. Okay, now, marriage was not merely created for sex. Okay. Okay, now in the context of this, we're talking about sex, but marriage was not created for sex. It was created for God. And it was created as a covenant. Somebody say covenant. This is very, very important because we, we plug marriage into our theology of covenant. Somebody say covenant again. Now, now, a contract is something, when people do like prenups, it just trips me out, that before they get married, they do a contract before they make a covenant. In other words, they make the contract supersede the covenant with God. Just, in other words, it's a just-in-case clause. In other words, it's believing that there isn't, uh, that, that there can be an end to your union. Uh, 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 and so if you enter a marital covenant believing there can be an end to your union, there will be an end to your union. Uh-huh. But, but a covenant is beautiful because this is what he's talking about. Have his own, that's covenantal language. It's covenantal language. Covenant, covenant first in the Bible is an act of love. Covenant is never an act of law. There always, the law always comes after covenant. It doesn't come at the cutting of covenant. Now, now love is the motivation. Every covenant that God made with man, there was, a, there was an act of love that motivated God having a relationship. Covenant in it always involves relationship. Somebody say relationship. And so God has called man and woman uh, to be in a relationship with one another. First with God. Because in order for marriage to work, you're going to need Jesus. You should have stood up on that part. Um, let, let me just say, you're going to need some Holy Ghost, um, some Bible, some Jesus. It's a great place to be, but because you have two messed up people, 
bringing their messed upness together, you're going to need some help. And so therefore, that's why I don't, I don't marry non-Christians because I'm setting you up to die. Y'all going to kill each other. I ain't going to put you Now, you already, Christians already fighting to remain married. You put two crazy folk with no blood of Christ in a union together with no God, no Jesus, no Bible, no ghost, you in trouble. You're in trouble. You're going you're gonna to need oil from on high for your marital relationship. And so when you, when you, when you have your own, it, it, it's covenant language, which means the two are in love with the living God first. Two are in love with the living God first. That's, that's what comes. But then you, you, they already have a covenant with God that legally binds their life. What is a covenant? A legally binding agreement between two or more people. And so you have to have two people that have fallen in love with Jesus. First, so that they can love each other appropriately. Okay, okay, okay. And so, and so when they come together in their own relationship, then their enjoyment is influenced by Jesus, not each other. Okay, you, let, me, let me just say, people that say, I fell out of love, there's no such thing as that in the Bible. Matter of fact, falling in love is nowhere in the Bible. Nowhere in love. Uh, nowhere in the Bible. Uh, the, by, the, love is a decision. And unless you know that love is a decision, you're going to get up in a marital union and you're going to have sex every day for six months. And then when the infatuation of being backed up from not having sex happens, then you're going to have to deal with the person that you're in a covenant with. So we should have our own. We shouldn't be running around. We should have our own spouse and with this own idea, it points to the idea of enjoyment of the marital union with one another. Paul was single, so he has a sanitized talk about sex. Paul's stuff is always sanitized. Sometimes even Peter, uh, uh, he, 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 Paul will say things that ought not to be discussed because he don't go into detail. There's some things that Paul won't say because he ain't married. And, and the Holy Spirit, what's powerful about this is just for free. The Holy Spirit utilizes in the superintending of the writing of Scripture the knowledge and life experience of the person for it to flow through them as they write the Scriptures. But now when you go to Tanakh or Old Testament, what's wonderful is you see the Samari folk begin to talk about it. And one of the best places, listen, this is for free. Husband and wife, if you want to have some good foreplay, just read Song of Solomon together. I'm a, that was for free. Anyway, the, the Bible can, anyway, another story. Song of, song, song, song of Solomon, song of, song of Solomon 2.16, I like this. This is that ownership language. It says, my beloved is mine and I am his. I like that. I like that. We belong to each other. In, in other words, you're taking ownership of the relationship in a marriage because the basis of your relationship is love and friendship. That's why Malachi rebukes them in Malachi chapter 2, verse 14 through 16, about treat, a man treating his wife wrongly, the companion or the wife of your youth. Companion there means friendship. Somebody say friendship. But in the same context, it says wife according to covenant. So covenant and friendship or companionship are coupled together where husband and wife should be friends. You should be having sex with your true friend, your spouse, not some friends. All right, that's, anyway, let's keep moving. So my beloved, my, I like the last part of this. He grazes among the lilies. Hallelujah. Now, grazing, grazing there means a whole lot of things. 
that we'll save for when we do our marriage seminar. Um, uh, um, um, but, but, but it's interesting because here the point is an animal that grazes. Now, animal that grazes is always fearful of predators. Okay, and so you, I don't know if you've ever seen, you know, them, 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 uh, the, the nature joints or where the dudes hunting or whatever, or the lions around, and, 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 and the antelopes be eating, and then, then, they, then their ears be going like this, and then they, then they slip the lion right over in the joint, and they be going like that, and then they go back down, start drinking again and looking and eating and everything. <laughs> in, in, in other words, in order to eat and drink, they have to watch out for something that may happen to them. But what, 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 the, what, what the woman is saying about her husband, as she's a part of writing scripture, by the way, a woman here, um, it's interesting, it's interesting that she says, my husband, when he makes love to me, has no fear because there's peace in the environment. Because he can come on and get this and just have peace without any Holy Ghost conviction of what he's going to feel like afterwards. See, see that, see that's, see marriage, marriage is when, you know, I, I was a sinner at one point, and I was out there water, and when, after it was over, I was convicted, Holy Ghost beating me up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Help us, God. And so, when I got married, I had to adjust to freedom. I had to, I had to learn how to adjust to not feeling the conviction of the Holy Spirit but enjoying my spouse. Now, now I like the fact that it says, let each one have his own spouse. That's, that's, good, that's a good word right there. That means that no matter how many people you don't had sex with, you can't bring your sexual experiences to the bedroom with that person. In, in, in other words, y'all ain't saying a lot of amens on that part. That means that you can't rush your spouse to the false sense of sexual maturity that you have. That, that, that means, the, the, this is what the Bible originally meant before the fall, that one man in his relationship with God, one woman in her relationship with God would be unhindered by dating relationships and broken hearts and, and you know, and all of that to come without any sex, come together ignorantly of what sex is. And then explore and enjoy and progressively grow in what the other one likes. What we have today is everybody done did all, they done watch porn videos and they done got all of this stuff in them. Some of y'all done read some novels and you know that, you know, the, the, you know, the girl that put out all of the dudes that she done slept with in the industry and we done read them books and we watch, you know, uh, single ladies and we watching, you know what I'm saying, scandal ministry. We watching all of these things, you know what I'm saying, uh-uh-uh. You know, I'm gonna call it, I'm gonna start calling the Scandal Baptist Church because some of y'all faithful to scandal. That's a whole nother that's a whole nother story. But 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 and what they were supposed to do is a come back. What a man and a woman, what a man and a woman was supposed to do is in, in the ownership of one another, they're supposed to grow in enjoying sex on the level that their spouse is on and progressively grow, and over a lifetime. See, I, I, I want to be 83. I want to I be like this. Come here, Yvette. Come here, Yvette. I want to be, I'm, I'm just telling you right now. Take me some ginseng and keep it rolling, baby. 
That's what I want. <coughs> but I, everybody should have their own. That means you shouldn't be going after somebody's husband or wife. There's a lot of application in this verse. Yeah, if, if, if he married, don't get it. No, just for free. Some, oh, help me, God. Don't, get in, don't mess with nobody, period, outside of marriage, but don't mess with somebody outside of marriage in another marriage thinking that they're going to leave their marriage for you one day so you give them everything but. I just, I just, had, to, I just had to say that because I help me today, God. Help me today, God. Help me today, God. So what are we called to do? What, what are we called to do? What are we called to do? We're called to break the cycles of selfishness in marriage. And I want to come back to that in a second and talk about how the gospel influences that. Um, in, in this idea of enjoyment, the Bible says something in Proverbs 5, 15 through about 18. Thank you. It says, drink water from your own cistern. That's good right there. Flowing water from your own well. Should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets, let them be for yourself alone and not for strangers. The idea of drink water means to fully be satisfied by your spouse, by your spouse of the opposite sex, not the same sex. All right? All right? And so so that means just as water, when someone thirsty satisfies their thirst, so sex in the union of marriage is to satisfy the need and desire of the spouse that you're in a relationship with. I like the way it says flowing water. That means the, the relationship's supposed to always be fresh. That, that means you should be free to try some stuff. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Bless the name of God. Flowing water. Fresh water. You can't dip in other waters and other cisterns and then come back in this cistern because you're going to bring the mess from this cistern when you drop the bucket in the other cistern, and you're going to bring mess from other places into the place that God made to be fresh for you. It's a whole nother sermon. Help me today, God. He said, why should your springs, he's talking about the male's clacao, right? He's saying, why should your springs be spread in the streets, meaning going and tapping other women? And it applies to the woman. Why should you go? And give away what God has meant to be a fresh spring for your husband and muddy it up with some mess. I don't care how much spice you think you can get out of another relationship with somebody else, with your impatient self. You better let the Lord grow your relationship to the spice that it's supposed to be at because that's legal spices. The other stuff is some illegal spices that shouldn't be brought into the country because it won't meet heaven's customs. He says, let them be for yourself alone. I like that, that monogamy where the Holy Ghost show up during the, do you know the Holy Ghost shows up during sex? Or y'all don't think you do? Okay, Uh, 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 in in, in 1 Samuel chapter 2, husbands and wives popping pills and taking deep breaths on this part. Hold on, y'all, all All right. Um, (laughs) Help me today. Uh, uh, um, When when, when she wanted a baby, when, when, when Hannah wanted a baby, it says, and the Lord remembered them, her and her husband, Elkanah, and he showed up. The Holy Spirit showed up during that. I want the Holy, you want the Holy Spirit in your bedroom. I'm going to keep moving. He says, he says, let your fountains be blessed. That literally means God-given. That's what it means. He said, enjoy what God has given. Now, somebody said, what can you can and can't do? I ain't going into all of that. Just as long as it ain't illegal. 
I ain't going into all, all of that. Now, you, now, don't be looking at pornography to get you ready for that prayer because that violates oneness. Because what you're using is you're using somebody else's sex to beef up your sex when God made your sex to be its own situation. So don't be saying we're going to warm each other up by looking at some stuff. You know what I'm saying? The devil is a liar, and that's from the pit of hell. All right? You know, some of us, we got to explain everything, which is a good thing. It says, it says in verse 18, let your father be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. And it says, and like a loving deer and a graceful doe, let her breasts fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always with her love. That's good Bible right there. It literally means to lose yourself in your spouse's body. Lose it. I don't care how old you got. Love the varicose veins and the wrinkles and love the pimples on your spouse's face. God gave that person to you. They may have a couple of love handles. They may have some broken nails that, you know, situations. But God has given them to you. And you enjoy every square mile of what God has blessed you with. Single people saying, this is hard for me, Pastor. Just store it up. Just do it like this. When you, when you, just utilize your sexual desires as a, as a storage chest. Just put it away. Say, God, help me to store it up. Help me to say, I can't do it now, God, but help me in Jesus' mighty name to store it up for who God wants me to be with in Jesus' mighty name. Don't, don't ask me after the service, what do single people supposed to do? You can't do anything about your sexual situation. You, only thing you got to do is flee and not put yourself in the situation. There's no application sexually for you outside of marriage. No application. The application is flee. Verse 3. The husband should give to his wife her congenial rights. Paul is a beast. He uses judicial language. He's just being so nice, man. Congenial rights. Who uses words like that? But he's under the influence of the Holy Spirit. The word congenial uh, literally means taste. Give her her tastes, what she likes. That means in the sexual union, it says, and likewise, the wife to her husband. That means you have to grow in what your spouse wants. You, 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 you got to grow in what they like, but give them time, though. But that congenial rights also points to not withholding sex from one another, which you'll talk about in a second. So the idea of this is giving our obligation of sex to our spouse through the covenantal obligation, okay, which, is, which that's what we're supposed to do sacrificially. Now, the way for sex to work properly in marriage is for there to be sacrifice in relation to sex. That means that you and I, as, as people of God in marriage, will have different seasons where our biological clock works differently. Now, 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 dudes from like 18 to 35, I mean, it's, it's rough on a brother, all right? 18, about four, it actually it's 35, 45 years old. Your sex, sex drive is a monstrosity. And so the wife, he clapping, I like that, he like that. Um, <laughs> And then, and, then, um, and, and, and then the wife's, you know, menopause hit, and then she ready to get it in. 
But then the, the brothers is going down, but going up. And I believe God in some sovereign way set that up for us to be sacrificial in relation to sex. Now, what's interesting about women is women, it, 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 w- women, women want emotional connection in order for sex to work. But men want sex in order to have an emotional connection. Now, the question is, how do we meet? Well, fellas, you brought flowers and all of that, and all of that's great. But maybe every now and then just put a load of clothes in the washing machine. I mean, just say, just say, just look at it, look at it, look at it and go like this. Putting that in the washing machine. Put it in the washing machine. <laughs> um, you know. Just take her car to get it, get the oil change in detail. And, and get her favorite fragrance and put it up on the little joint and go clack out and let it go thump, 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 like that. You know what I'm saying? And I mean, I mean, I mean, you know, you know, go and take her out and sit there while she tries clothes on. And let her pick it. Don't be looking all on Instagram and Facebook. When is it gonna be finished? When is it gonna be finished? When is it gonna be finished? Then that night you're like, hey baby. <laughs> She's going to be like, roll over ministry, right? <laughs> That's from the devil, too. Um, you know, ladies, sometimes, listen, wives, sometimes you just need to let the foreplay get skipped. The fellas ain't going to say amen. They're like, thank you, pastor. Thank you, pastor. In his, in his mind, he's going like this right now. He, he like this. Right? Every now and then you just need to give him a surprise when he finished brushing his teeth. Brush your teeth, fellas. But when you, you know what I'm saying? And then guess what? He's going to be like this vacuuming afterwards. <laughs> Singing hymns. <laughs> I love you, girl. I love you. Love you. Right? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But, but this is the issue. Be careful of using that as a contract. Sacrificial covenant means love. That means I'm doing this, and a woman can tell when you're just trying to set it up for 10 o'clock. Now, the men, we don't, it don't really matter to us if you, you know, we're just different, you know. We're like, well, thank you, praise God. But women, women... Women know when we're trying to set things up and, you know, um, set it up, but just make sure it comes out of a heart of love. That's what this means. And that's what Christ does. Christ doesn't wait for a person to do everything you want them to do in order to give them what they need. see, See, sometimes and most times, your spouse is not going to help you to get sexually ready emotionally. And if you only base your intimacy with them on what they do for them, you have a law relationship sexually with your spouse. That means that being sacrificial in sex, being sacrificial in sex means you get pleasure because of sacrifice. Now, y'all looking at me funny. The, the, The Bible says that God gave his only son, right? And the Bible says in Isaiah 53, what did, what did it say? It says that, and the Lord was pleased to crush him. In other words, he got pleasure out of giving his son. 
So what God does for us is God doesn't wait till we get it right to give us what we need and the pleasure that we need. In the midst of our, sometimes we need to just give some hookup sex. Ain't no amens on that. That's okay. Sometimes you just see, I know I'm mad at you and I'm angry with you. But you need to sometimes go in the bathroom and pray and ask God to give you grace and go and have sex with your spouse even though they're not where you want them to be. That's what the text is teaching. It's teaching a sacrificial sex. And what will happen is, is sometimes the Holy Ghost will bless you because you're being sacrificial. Anyway, verse 4. Now, look what it says. Verse 4, it says, For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. That doesn't mean rape your wife. The devil, I, boy, I bet... I got to count to 10 backwards. Help me, Father. All right. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. This is the first place in the Bible where the Bible removes the headship of the husband's jurisdiction off of him. Okay? Ephesians 5, man is the head of the wife. First uh, Corinthians uh, 11, 1 and 2. 2, 3, or actually two, verse 2 to, to verse 3 says that Christ is the head of the man and the man is the head of the wife. In this particular area, man's spiritual authority is removed when the wife wants to have sex with him. That means you're not head over the sexual relationship when she's in the desire mode for you. That means you can't pull the authority card because the Bible just said that she has exousia over you. So when, you, when, when, when some of our sex drives, because some of y'all looking at me like, I ain't going to never have a declining sex drive. But when your sex drive declines, when your sex drive declines, or, or you're in a decline place, you have to live in light of the gospel in that particular point in time. And this is what Paul says right here in verse 5. He says, do not deprive one another. That word deprive means to steal, to rob, or to not give a person what's due to them. Do not deprive one another. This is one of the one another's that's not for the whole body, but just for the marital relationship. Okay? It's an except, except perhaps by agreement. That means there was a family meeting, and you agreed that there's going to be a season of fasting and prayer because fasting is giving up a legitimate need of the body that God provides for a greater need of the soul. Okay? And so that means that sex could be, not necessarily, but could be disruptive during the time of seeking God. Now, this seeking God isn't to pull each other apart, but to bring each other closer. For a time of agreement, that means your spot, you, that means you can't decide that you're going to be spiritual. Even if your husband doesn't go uh, to the church you go to, or your wife doesn't go to the church you go to, and y'all in a fasting season, and, they, and you decide, and if they're not a believer, and you're deciding, well, I'm going to fast from sex, you cannot do that. Since for a time of agreement, I remember um, one time, my, you know, my wife was sick for nine months, nine-month period of time, and, they, and the shop was closed. And it would have been evil for me to ask her for sex. And so knowing me, I needed oil from on high. Because nine months, it, I mean, it, nine months wasn't the time period. It was what happened because of how sick she was. And to ask her 
to give sex to me would have been wrong for me because of how painful her body was spasming in every single muscle in her body to the point where she was in a wheelchair for a year. Okay, so, 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 so what I needed was a special covenant from God. I'm saying that in beauty, and uh, in, in, I needed help. And so God somehow, through his power, kept me. I'm just telling you, I'm not a keepable dude. <laughs> so I needed prophets and apostles and pastors and community life and books and Bible and more Holy Spirit than I ever needed during that period. And it was interesting what God said. I remember my wife had a vow with cancer, and we couldn't have sex again. I mean, it was seasons of our marriage where we had to do that, and God had to keep me, and I had to fight and be strengthened by that. And, 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 that's, and, and, and some of you will enter those times in marriage. That's why marriage talks, ab- talks about in sickness and in health. It says, but then come together. <laughs> when that season is over, he said, then come together so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. You know, Satan, the first thing he interrupted in time was the marital relationship. When you don't cover your spouse sexually, you're leaving them to be impacted by Satan. And Satan and his imps study marriages. They look at marriages. They, they spy on you in the spirit world. They watch you. And they come in and they do their work. That's why he's like a roaring lion, prowling about. What is he doing? Seeking. The devil's not everywhere. He's not omnipresent. But sometimes the Bible uses Satan as relation name to his kingdom in relation to the imps that's under his charge. That means that every Christian has demonic forces that are assigned to seek you and to watch you, and to wait for the right moment to pounce upon you. That's why you need to watch not making up with your spouse. Because he's watching that. And he said, this is good, I can get him now. It's good, I can get her now. That's why the sun shouldn't go down in your anger. Because if you let the sun go down, you've left your spouse uncovered. And there's a covering that every spouse provides for their spouse. You work through it, and you fight, you fight for your marriage. You fight for your marriage. You commit yourself to a loving relationship with your spouse. Don't, don't give me the bull about I've fallen out of love. It's not in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. It's a decision that your emotions catches up with decisions, not the other way around. So that means you plow through. Ask God for the strength that you need. And say, God, I need to do whatever I need to do, but I need your help right now. And you need to be honest with God. God, everything around me looks attractive but my spouse. You need to let the God know and let some folk around you know. And then you go to your spouse and you, and you pray with your spouse and ask God's grace on your marriage. My point today is everything in your life is supposed to be sacrificial. And the sacrificial nature of things is to let us know that our life, even our sexuality, is not about us. Father, we thank you for Christ 
<clears throat> that in while we were yet sinners, he died for us. He died for us. He did not wait until we got things right before he gave his body to us. And so, God, I'm praying today that spouses all over this building will not allow the sin of their spouse to barricade them in from sacrificially giving themselves to them. Maybe someone here today with every head bowed, every eye closed, doesn't know Christ as your Savior. This, me- this message, most of all, was a message of sacrifice. A message of sacrifice. And ultimately, the greatest sacrifice is the sacrifice that Jesus Christ gave on the cross for sin. If, you're, if you know you don't know Christ as your Savior, let me just let you know that Christ on the cross had God's anger towards our sin poured out on him so that we wouldn't be separated from God's presence forever. And he raised him from the grave on the third day that whoever repents of their sin and believes in him by faith, it's great, will come into an everlasting relationship with him. If you're here today, if you're here today, if you're here today and, and you're not in Christ, slip your hand in the air so we can, we can walk you from spiritual death to spiritual life in relation to Jesus Christ. Anybody here today that says, I want to put my confidence in Jesus Christ? Anyone? Anyone in the balcony? Anyone on the floor? Anyone? I see that hand right there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for, for that. Come on down. Come on down to the front, please, if you don't mind. We just want to talk to you about that. We're gonna, I want to pray for you. Anybody else? Anybody else that wants to put their confidence in Jesus Christ? Anyone? This says, Father, this says, I, I, I want to be in a relationship with the living God through Jesus Christ. And I, I know that if I died today that I would not be in a relationship with him. Jesus Christ's arms are outstretched and open wide for you to go from spiritual death to spiritual life. Spiritual death means that everybody was born into sin. Death points to our separation from God. To, to not be in a relationship with God is to be dead. To be in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, spilling his life, is to be alive. And he raised him from the grave that whoever believed in him should not perish, but would have everlasting life. That, that you and I wouldn't spend eternity paying for our sin. Anyone else? Anyone else? I want to pray for you today. This is the greatest decision that anyone can make to put their faith and confidence in Christ. Father, I pray uh, for this young lady. Thank you for her committing her life to Jesus Christ through this profession of faith. And God, I praise you for that and pray, uh, pray for her uh, that, you, that, that, that you have transformed her from the, spirit of, from the uh, kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of your marvelous son. Take them from from spiritual death to spiritual life so that she can be a disciple of Jesus Christ, walking with you, living for you, and fully committed to you in every single area of her life. Help us to walk with her and love her in this transition and as she grows up in you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for coming forward. They're going to take you in the back and talk to you just a little bit more. Let's give God a hand praise for that.
We're going to do this a lot, but if you want me to pray for you today, you can stand up where you are. If you and your spouse are wrestling in this area, every head by every eye closed. If you're wrestling in this area, I just want to pray for you. You want to do this more often, just stand up. I want to pray for you. Pray for you. Or you're single wrestling. Thank you. Thank, thank you for your boldness. This couple right here, thank you for your boldness. Thank you uh, in the balcony. Thank you in the balcony. Yeah, anybody else? says, I'm wrestling with this in my marriage, and we need to pray through this. Anybody else? Anybody else? Thank you for that. Thank you for standing up. I just want to pray for you where you are. Pray for you where you are, that God would renew and strengthen you and give you the help that's needed based on his word. Father, I pray for these men and women. Thank you for their boldness to get up and say, I need help in my marriage with sexuality. We're sexually frustrated. And um, God, I pray that they would, uh, they would seek you and that, God, you would help them to be sacrificial in their marriage. I pray for even books that will help them to understand this one book is a good book, a celebration of sex. I pray that they would read that from a Christian perspective so that they can grow and develop in understanding you and understanding one another, Lord God. And God, I just pray that any barriers or anything that has bound them from being able to enjoy you and one another, God, will you bring a release to them right now in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And I'm excited in advance for what you're doing and what you're about to do in their lives. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's give God a hand praise one more time. Fellas, let's come.